is the hour of doom and bloom that's right friends and neighbors welcome to doom and bloom survival medicine podcast a tower of timeliness in a terrible world i'm joe alton md also known as dr bones of the award-winning survival website doomandbloom.net and i'm amy alton also known as nurse amy and i am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife i'm purveyor of quality medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net She's so tough, she makes TV survivalists feel naked and afraid. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. On this show, you're going to get the conventional medical wisdom, the unconventional medical wisdom, and if you're brave enough to keep listening, the unhinged rants of an old geezer that stays preserved in the old fridge in the garage. Who's the old geezer? I haven't uh, met him yet. You haven't? No. Maybe you have. No, I He's, haven't. He he sometimes disguises himself and comes out. <laughs> yeah. You're saying it's you? No mm, way. Maybe. I know believe in you. But you see, be surprised at this guy's shelf life, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> still still there. Extended. Still functioning. Good. But hey, you know what? Whatever it takes to get your family medically prepared for tough times, we will do. But to hear all this great information, you got to listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Or don't. Things are peachy keen out there, right? Nothing in the news that's a problem. Please, let's... No inflation, no Ukraine, no China, no North Korea, no no Iran. No empty food shelves of certain things. I know. Well... And those are just going to get worse. So that leaves me with one question for you. Yes. Who's the family medic going to be if some disaster knocks all the hospitals out of commission and a loved one is sick or injured? Who's going to step up to the plate? Batter up. Well, don't look at me. I'm just here for the beer. But surprise, it's you. So you'd better get off your duff and learn some stuff if you're going to knock it out of the park. You might consider getting some medical supplies, and while you're at it, Hmm, medical supplies. Mm, oh, yes. Store.doomandbloom.net. We professionally design them. We hand pack them. Nothing comes prepacked from China. I know a lot of the medical supplies in the entire world are produced there, but I do not let them make my kits. And I make sure that the brand names that I have are high quality and a lot of the trauma supplies are the exact same supplies that are being carried in previous wars. By the military. The current war in Ukraine has a lot of our supplies. In fact, we're having uh, supply issues getting some of these because the same thing that I order is on the battlefields. So if you need a medical kit, it might not be a bad time to check out our entire line at store.doomandbloom.net. Listen, I want to just say that our book, the fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, greatly expanded and revised, still ranks 4.8 out of 5 on Amazon, still number one in all its categories. If you haven't checked out our greatly expanded new book, check the black and white version out on Amazon. Or if you want a color version, find it at store.doomandbloom.net. We even have a spiral-bound version on our website, Yes, don't we? we do. That's the color version comes in spiral. Now, there is a spiral being sold on Amazon. We did not make that. And that is only a black and white book. And it is the same price as the full color version on my store. So That's right. don't be fooled. Make sure you go to store.doomandbloom.net to get your unadulterated copy. Yep, that's right. 
Hey, you guys know that I've been a lone voice in the wasteland of the unprepared when it comes to infectious diseases. I sounded the alarm about COVID, actually, for the first time in early January, January 7th of 2020, when there were only 60 total cases in a place called Wuhan, China. And really, you know what? Anything that might reach epidemic or even pandemic status, that catches my interest. Well, a world weary of one viral pandemic is now experiencing the early stages of another. In the last three months, more than 88 countries have reported a total of more than 30,000 cases of the disease called monkeypox, which was previously restricted to parts of Africa. That's more than we saw in the entire 2014 Ebola pandemic, or epidemic, it really didn't reach pandemic status. And that got a lot more press, so I think we need to address this. So what is monkeypox? Monkeypox is an infectious viral disease in the same family as smallpox, which was effectively eradicated worldwide about, well, gosh, I think all the way back in 1980. It's an example of what we call a zoonotic disease, which means that it can be passed from animals to humans. Monkeypox was first identified in 1958 when two outbreaks occurred in colonies of monkeys that were kept for research in, no, not Africa, in all, of all places, in Denmark. The first cases in humans, however, were found in Africa. Now, despite the name, the original source is actually unknown. Some believe it originated not in monkeys, but possibly in rodents. Symptoms of monkeypox are very reminiscent of smallpox. Since we don't really see smallpox anymore, many don't know what to look for. You medics should. Between one to two weeks after exposure to the virus, you could expect things like fever and chills, muscle aches, fatigue, a rash which may be painful or itchy, swollen lymph nodes in the neck, armpit, or groin, or maybe sometimes sore throat and cough. The lesions all develop around the same time and usually last about two to four weeks. The rash progresses in stages from spots to raised bumps to blisters to whiteheads and finally crusty scabs. Most sufferers seem to have them around the genitals, the face and neck, inside the oral cavity, hands, feet, and chest, and sure enough, the anus. It should be noted that a percentage may get the infection without having any symptoms at all. Many cases are relatively mild and go away on their own without special treatment. An unlucky few, however, may have severe symptoms with perhaps a death rate ranging from 1 to maybe up to 10%, depending on the strain of virus. In comparison, smallpox is often severe with death rates approaching 30% in true outbreaks. Monkeypox may spread to humans by eating bush meat or suffering bites or scratches from infected animals. Human-to-human -human transmission can occur through exposure to infected body fluids and through the airborne route. Victims are contagious from the onset of symptoms at least until all the lesions have scabbed over and fallen off. You don't want to touch those lesions. Now, one unusual aspect to the monkeypox outbreaks is that they seem to be concentrated in an area with large gay male populations. The World Health Organization, WHO, reports that men who have sex with men seem to have the highest risk of infection. 99% of cases occur in men, with 95% of them in men who have sex with other men. It's uncertain why this pattern has emerged. I think it's possibly due to a mutation of one of the two or three dominant strains of the virus that exist. The head of the WHO recommends that gay men limit their sexual partners to lower their risk of infection and reduce the spread. At present, no known cure exists for monkeypox. Although a monkeypox vaccine does exist, it's very hard to find. A study in 1988 found that standard smallpox vaccine, however, was about 85% protective in preventing infection in close contacts and in lessening the severity of the disease. Otherwise, treat the symptoms like fever and muscle aches with NSAIDs like ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, or with acetaminophen, Tylenol, until the patient improves. 
to help reduce spread, use hand protection when handling or touching bedding, towels, clothing, or other items of those people who might have the symptoms. Standard household cleaning products and disinfectants are fine, actually, to wash contaminated surfaces and equipment. Monkeypox is no world-ending epidemic, so far at least, but you wouldn't want to get it, so know the symptoms and signs and take appropriate precautions. Okay, so there's some monkeypox basics for you. By the way, monkeypox is not related to chickenpox. It is related to smallpox, but not related to chickenpox, although it does have some signs and symptoms that may be similar. You know what? In difficult times, storing a good supply of long shelf life food, well, that's a pretty good idea. Folks in the preparedness industry, well, they have for decades recommended that you fill pantries and freezers with enough food to get you through any disaster. Long-lasting food items, however, can sometimes cause digestive issues when combined with the stresses associated with apocalyptic settings. One of these is constipation. Constipation, is that really a survival problem, you ask? You betcha, it sure is. Constipation is defined as having less than three bowel movements a week. Stools tend to be hard, dry, lumpy, and hard to pass. Patients complain of abdominal bloating and discomfort, and in some cases, there's significant pain associated with prolonged efforts to actually have a bowel movement. Afterwards, there may even be a feeling that you did not evacuate all of the feces that were in there. One-sixth of the general population experiences constipation, with percentages rising significantly higher with age. There are millions of doctor visits due to problems relating to it and 250 million US dollars are spent on treatment each year. Women, by the way, have the problem more often than men. Now what happens in the body that leads to constipation? The body absorbs nutrients as food passes through the digestive tract. Partially digested food travels from the stomach to the small intestine and then the large intestine, also called the colon, and your large intestine absorbs the water from digested contents leading to solid feces, also called stool. When food moves too slowly through the colon, too much water is absorbed, causing stool to become dry and hard in consistency. That makes it difficult to push out. There are lots of reasons for it. Uh, Constipation is not a disease in and of itself, but it can be a symptom of a number of dietary and medical problems. Common causes include diet, as I mentioned. Constipation is often caused by failing to stay well hydrated and maintaining a diet rich in high fiber foods like fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. And no, balance of nature does not count as fruits and vegetables when it comes to constipation. Uh, A diet consisting only of high fat meats, dairy products, eggs, or sugary items can also predispose you to having problems with bowel movements. You can see how difficult it might be to maintain a balanced diet in the zombie apocalypse where your choice of foods and the availability of them, or even water, might be limited. Prepared families have a store of preserved foods in case of a major catastrophe, right? These tend to have low fiber content and that leads to constipation. If water is rationed in some situations, Dehydration may contribute to worsening the situation. Indeed, the family medic must be sure to enforce the adequate intake of clean, disinfected fluids in order to prevent the problem. Now, diseases may also cause constipation. GI disorders like irritable bowel syndrome, diverticulosis, bowel obstruction, cancer, and structural defects can do it. Hormonal problems can do it too. Hypothyroidism, diabetes, kidney disease. Some people have constipation with these. Nerve disorders like spinal cord injuries, stroke, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease. Those cause it. Diseases that affect multiple organs such as autoimmune diseases like systemic lupus or scleroderma. That'll do it. And even pregnancy will cause you to get constipated. Constipation is very common in pregnancy. 
Many medicines, by the way, have constipation as a likely adverse reaction. That includes pain medicines like opiates, NSAIDs like Advil and Motrin and Aleve, that's ibuprofen and naproxen, antacids containing calcium or aluminum like Tums or Mylanta, iron supplements, antidepressants, blood pressure medicines, if you're on calcium channel blockers or beta blockers, it might, you might get it, diuretics, anti-seizure medicines, anti-diabetic medicines, anti-nausea medicines. Wow, that's just a partial list. Ask your physician, by the way, before a disaster occurs, if your meds are causing your constipation. You got to do it before the medical infrastructure is knocked out due to some kind of catastrophe. Lifestyle can also do it. Stress can lead to constipation. Many people have habits or behaviors that predispose them. Uh, They include uh, not getting enough exercise, irregular routines that affect the composition and timing of meals, travel schedules that are wild and wacky if you travel frequently, ignoring the urge to go go due to work or other responsibilities. A lot of people delay that, and that's not a good thing. And ignoring opportunities to hydrate, that is a big problem. So what's the right number of bowel movements to have? It's different for each person. For some, it can mean bowel movements twice a day. For others, having bowel movements three times a week, that's normal for them. In most cases, constipation is manageable with simple measures. You have to hydrate. You'd be surprised the number of people that are dehydrated in this country. The quantity of fluids recommended by the U.S. National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine determined that the daily fluid intake should be 3.7 liters for men, 2.7 liters for women, Some of these foods are indeed present in your dietary solid foods, but very few people actually keep up with their fluid intake and walk around somewhat dehydrated all the time. Drink an extra two to four glasses of water a day if you're constipated, that might help. Change your diet, always a good idea. Add more fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and other high fiber foods to your daily routine. Eat foods that are known to help you go, like prunes, prune juice, bran cereal, things like that. Watch the number of high-fat foods like meat, eggs, and cheese that you consume consume daily. Some people only consume this type of stuff, and indeed, those people may get constipation. There may be benefits to it, but there may also be issues. Prune juice, by the way, really works. It helped Amy when she had this problem just a little while ago. Now, once you're on the toilet, you should know that certain positions are more effective in helping you evacuate your bowels. If you raise your feet, squat, or lean back, that may actually help a little bit. Don't spend more than 10 minutes on the toilet at a time. That is bad because excess pressure on the anus can lead to hemorrhoids, and those are no fun at all. Interestingly enough, taking your phone to the bathroom, well, that causes you to spend a lot more time on the toilet. Double actually doubles it according to a recent survey. Of course, you'll need to get moving. Exercise is helpful. If you get moving, your bowels may do the same. 30 minutes of walking or other activities like that, that may help. There are, of course, uh, medicines, over-the-counter options, over-the-counter fiber supplements, stool softeners, laxatives, enemas even, are options when you need extra help. For the survival medic, by the way, they're useful items for survival storage. You should definitely have some of these around. It's important to know that frequent use of these strategies, however, can worsen the situation. You should only use this stuff when absolutely necessary. Some of these things are fiber supplements like Metamucil, Fibrogel, Benefiber, Citrocell, stool softeners like Colace or Surfac, oral bowel movement st- uh, stimulants like Ducalax and Senecot, laxative support suppositories like glycerin. Ducalax also has a laxative supp- suppository. And of course, in the end, enemas may be necessary. Saline solution, uh, sodium phosphate, mineral oil. Those are some of the things that you may need. Uh, be sure, by the way, to follow the instructions exactly as it is on the bottle. 
There are natural options, by the way, for constipation. A number of herbal teas are thought to be helpful for those suffering from constipation. They include senna tea, that's thought to have a laxative effect, dandelion tea also. Uh, Cascara tea is a strong laxative. You want to use very little of that. Uh, Peppermint tea, green tea may be useful in cases of chronic constipation. And it's not tea, but black coffee is also commonly used to help stimulate a bowel movement. Now, I need to tell you that there are some cases of constipation that may be more than just that. Certain symptoms should alert you to alert you to seek care if there is modern medical care available. And that is blood in the stool or from the anus, constant abdominal pain or distension, the inability to pass gas, nausea and vomiting along with constipation, fever with constipation, and weight loss. Now, since we're on the topic of constipation, I want to talk a little bit about MREs, meals ready to eat. Food security, of course, is high on the priority list for preppers. The demand for long shelf life items is very high, so many in the preparedness community have turned to an old military standby called Meals Ready to Eat, also known as MREs. They're called other things in other countries, but every country has these. Uh, Unfortunately, our military also has different meanings for the term MREs. Meals refusing to exit, meals resisting excretion, meals requiring enemas. Well, you get a general idea of what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about the same thing, constipation. Now, U.S. soldier ration policy was actually first implemented during the Revolutionary War. You may not have known that. Often consisted of a day supply of beef, peas, and rice. Canned foods with salted and dried meat became popular during the Civil War. Spam, by the way, achieved its popularity as a result of 100 million cans being donated to our soldiers in the Pacific during World War II. Uh, Canned wet rations continued to be used during and throughout the Vietnam War. Around the same time, dehydration technology was progressing and allowed the first MREs to be developed under the supervision of of a man named Dr. Abdul Rahman. And Dr. Rahman received, believe it or not, the Meritorious Civilian Service Award for his efforts, although not every GI might agree about the meritorious part. Uh, Today's MREs, they provide a reasonable amount of convenient calories. They're lightweight and compact. You may expect them to have things like beef patties, turkey loaf, vegetables, rice, powdered milk, cheese powder, crackers with peanut butter, cereal bars, dried fruit slices sometimes, raisins, apple rings, things like that. Some even contain chewing gum. MREs aren't dehydrated or freeze-dried, so they're not 25-year shelf-life food items, more like three or four-year shelf-life. But back to constipation, does eating MREs regularly cause it? This is important to know and has been controversial. A lot of ex-military will tell you that they certainly do. It's important for the survival medic to know because a lot of MREs are going to be in people's food storage that you're taking care of. If they cause constipation, it's going to be an issue that family caregiver is going to have to handle. Is there hard data supporting the idea that constipation is caused by MREs? And in a word, yes. The 2020 study from the Journal of Nutritional Biochemistry split subjects into two groups, one who ate regular food for three weeks, one who ate nothing but MREs and water or black coffee for the same period of time. The MRE group reported one fewer bowel movement per week than the regular food group. Now, why did this happen? The reason given was that MREs are worse at promoting the growth of good gut bacteria like lactobacilli than fresh foods. Being low in fiber, bowel movements become harder and less regular. It may also cause gas, a possible source of discomfort, and decrease productivity in austere settings. So there it is. It does indeed do it. Uh, It should be noted the MRE group's issues with fewer bowel movements than usual resolved just as soon as they went back on normal food. That leads me to suggest that you don't feed your survival group MREs exclusively for more than, well, a week, maybe. I mean, truthfully, if you can almost guarantee they'll have constipation if they're used for two or three weeks in a row. 
have foodstuff available that will provide enough fiber to keep things moving. Some alternatives include trail mix, beef jerky, hummus, prunes, fermented foods like yogurt. You got to keep your people well hydrated. The more fluids you take in, the more likely you remain regular. If you're on an MRE diet, you should definitely add those two to four glasses of water I mentioned earlier. Make sure that you have these fiber supplements, stool softeners, and laxatives around. Mineral oil, castor oil, olive oil may be helpful. Uh, consider putting together a food garden. This is what I always tell people. I often recommend having a medicinal herb garden, but I also tell people to do a food garden too. I'm a master gardener for the state of Florida, and indeed, I encourage everyone to have one. Being able to produce fresh veggies and fruits, that's going to help you stay regular. Now, be aware that there's a learning curve to vegetable garden. You can't just put a seed in there and guarantee that you're going to have a great harvest. There is a learning curve, so don't wait until the zombie apocalypse to start planning and get some experience under your belt. Now, there are, there's a lot of conventional wisdom about MREs that are supported by anecdotal evidence and experience by our military men. MREs, one of them is MREs are intentionally meant to give soldiers constipation. And the chewing gum provided is a laxative. Another one is all MREs are next to inedible, stuff like that. The fact is there's some truth to some of this, according to the company that manufactures them, though they say there's no truth to them. Well, I think there is some truth to it. Is it intentional is the question. One is the notion that the chewing gum that often comes with MREs is specifically meant as a laxative to counter the effects of the rest of the meal. That is denied by the company, but I will say that the xylitol and sorbitol that you find as ingredients in some chewing gum can have a laxative effect in some. So that's where that comes from. Another widespread notion also designed by, denied by manufacturers is that MREs are intentionally meant to constipate our soldiers so they don't have to go during missions. While not having to go is a tactical advantage, maybe, the constipation is more a factor of long shelf life foods being low in fiber than anything else. For the generals, however, the constipation that goes with it is more a perk for them than a scheme by some mad genius. As for inedibility, a dozen MREs were taste tested by well-known chefs, and many of them got sort of middling grades. There are some members of the MRE Hall of Shame, though. That recipe number four, the vegetable cheese omelet meal, was so bad that it was known as the vomelet. <laughs> Other scary meals from the past include the four fingers of death, also known as hot dogs. Boy, how can you get hot dogs wrong? And the bean burrito. The best ones? Well, that depends on your taste. Try the beef ravioli or the chili mac. And now, a word from our sponsor. Men, are you tired of all those ladies chasing you down the street shouting their phone numbers? Is it hard to play your video games with all those women draping themselves over your shoulders? Well, before you join the monastery, why not pick up a copy of my new book, Odd Hobbies Guaranteed to Chase Away Women. Learn how to get into doll collecting, toy trains, soap whittling, and bare hand fishing. Old Dr. Bones tells you all you need to know if you want to die alone. Available only at bookstores in Ukraine. I'd like to talk a little bit about natural disasters, and the one I actually am interested in talking about today is flooding. There's been some recent flooding in places like Kentucky that killed over three dozen people, and I think it's important for the survival medic to know about floods and what they can do to possibly keep their people safe during them. Flooding is one of the most common natural disasters, actually, affecting U.S. citizens. Deaths and massive property damage are pretty common. Floods are overflows of water that submerge land that's normally dry. Some floods develop over time. Some others can become dangerous very quickly, actually, and affect areas where it isn't even raining. Unless you live on a mountaintop, you're eligible to become the victim of a flood. The family medic who prepares for flood events, they prevent injuries and illnesses with a plan of action. Let's talk about the types of floods. There are flash floods. You won't, I'm sure you've heard of those. They usually develop very shortly after a nearby heavy rain. 
The rain creates a rapid rise of water, which accumulates in low-lying areas like floodplains. This often catches populations downstream by surprise, and that's where a lot of the time you see severe damage and loss of life. This is especially common in the western United States, where normally dry areas near steep terrain might fill with rushing water. Then, of course, there's river flooding. River flooding, like flash floods, can be caused by heavy rainfall, dam failures, snow melt, stuff like that. Unlike flash floods, however, some river flooding may cause water levels to rise slowly but steadily, just sort of a juggernaut that just does not stop. Either way, the result threatens structures and populations along its course. Then there's, of course, storm surges. Tropical or even non-tropical storm systems can bring heavy winds. Storm surge flooding, however, is responsible for more damage than just the winds. Storm surge is the rise in water generated by the storm above the normal tide levels. When the storm approaches the coast, high winds cause large waves that can inundate structures, damage foundations, cause significant loss of life. Then there are burn scars. The western U.S. has in recent years experienced so many wildfires that after a fire, the bare ground becomes so hardened that water can't be absorbed into the ground. This is known as a burn scar. Burn scars are less able to absorb moisture, leading heavy rains to accumulate water wherever gravity takes it. In the winter, you have ice jams. Northern areas of the continental U.S. and Alaska may have flooding as a result. When waterways are blocked by an obstruction, such as ice and debris, water is held back. This causes flooding upstream, like a beaver dam almost. When the obstructions finally remove, flash flooding occurs downstream. Many ice jams occur at bends in a river. In the spring, you get the snow melt. Snow melt flooding is very common in mountainous uh, U.S. states. When temperatures rise above freezing, the snow becomes water, right? And when it gets warmer, the snow melt acts as if it was rain, and flooding may indeed occur. Then there are barrier failures. When a dam or levee breaks, it can be due to excessive rainfall, erosion, landslides, earthquakes, many other natural causes. Some dams fail as a result of man-made issues, such as negligence and improper maintenance, even sabotage in some cases. As a result, water levels overflow the barrier or seep through defects in the structure. Uh, failure of the infrastructure, by the way, such as dam collapse, those kind of cause really catastrophic flooding. There was one flood in Jamestown, not Jamestown, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, in 1889 that took more than 2,000 lives. Well, major flooding may also be caused by the effects of an earthquake or even a volcanic eruption. If these events occur offshore, they result in tidal waves or tsunamis, which may have both long and short-term effects. Short-term issues which cause lives include the inability of emergency medical services to access flooded areas. That's why it's so important to have a medically prepared person in every family. Penetration of salt water causes widespread failure of freshwater delivery systems, which cause crop failures as a result also may make farmland infertile sometimes for years. When agriculture and certain industries fail and an economic collapse in the affected area may be the result, civil unrest often follows so an entire society can be basically thrown into turmoil by a single flood. So that's not just hypothetical. There were disasters relating to flooding that sometimes have caused millions of casualties. As a matter of fact, in 1931, there were major flooding of rivers in China that resulted both directly and indirectly in 3 million deaths, according to this history I read. If you take out war, famine, and pandemics, flooding is potentially the deadliest of human tragedies. As a matter of fact, the whole population of the world was taken out by a flood if you believe in the Bible. 
So let's talk a little bit about flood safety. Many people have heard of hurricane, tornado watches, and warnings, but indeed the U.S. Weather Service also tries to warn the populace of flooding. Just like storm alerts, a flash flood watch means that flash flooding is possible in the near future. A flood flash flood warning. Wow, why can't I say that? A flash flood warning means that flooding is imminent or already occurring in an area. To make it safely through a flood, you got to consider the following recommendations. You got to pay attention to the flood alerts. If you live in a low-lying area, especially near a dam or river, you should always heed warnings when they're given. Be prepared to evacuate quickly. Timing is important. Make the decision to leave for higher ground before flooding occurs and roads are blocked. Rising floodwaters could easily trap people in their home, and you don't want to have to perch on your roof waiting for help. Having a NOAA weather radio, that'll keep you up to date on the latest advisories. Be careful walking through floodwaters. You may want to get out of the area, but don't have a car that functions, so you walk. So if you're going to walk through flood areas, remember, drowning is the most common cause of death during a flood, especially a flash flood, because rapidly moving water can knock you off your feet even if it's less than a foot deep. The calmest floodwaters are often murky and hide debris that can cause injuries if you walk through them. Wounds exposed to contaminated floodwater are more likely to become seriously infected. you got to wash any wounds immediately with clean, drinkable water, cover with dry sterile dressings, and change dressings twice daily. Keep the dressings dry and be sure to look clean with drinkable water during each dressing change until fully healed. We talk about wound care in our, all our books and on our website and our videos and just about everywhere. Walking through flood areas is dangerous, but driving can be also. Roads and bridges could easily be washed out if you wait too long to leave an area. In a flood, many people drown in their cars as they stall out in moving water. Average-sized vehicles can be carried away by water that's just two feet deep. That's amazing. In one recent event, 130 people required rescue from partially submerged cars. You want to try to plan a high road route to safety before a flood occurs. Beware of down power lines. Electric current is easily conducted through water, so beware of down power lines. You don't have to be physically touching the down power line to be electrocuted. Just step in the highly conductive water nearby. There are numerous instances of electrocutions occurring as a result of rescuers jumping into the water to try to save victims of a shock. An entire family once was killed in this manner. They were trying to save their loved ones and each were electrocuted in turn as they ran into the water. You never want to touch someone who's been electrocuted without first shutting off the power source. If you can't shut off the power, you have to somehow move the victim. Using a dry, non-metal object like a wooden broom handle or a rope, that's what you're going to have to use. Be aware that although dry wood may not be conductive of electricity, wet wood does conduct it and can kill you. You want to not drink the water. You may say water, water everywhere. At least you won't have to worry about water, but you do. Flood water is not clean water. It's contaminated by debris and water treatment plants that may have been compromised by the disaster. As a result, waterborne illness such as cholera may run rampant unless the water is disinfected. You have to have a reliable way to purify water and a good supply of clean water stored away. It's indeed a medical supply item. Eight drops of 6% household bleach will sterilize a gallon of water, or that's about a third of a teaspoon for four gallons, but twice the amount will be needed if you have cloudy water you have to deal with. Remember, a filter might also be needed to eliminate debris. There may be a lot of debris in the water. Wait 30 minutes after adding bleach before drinking. Well, that's all the time we have. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Podcast. For Amy Alden, I'm Joe Alden, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times are bad. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, 
natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.